You know, uh, we've been talking for the last couple of months on leadership, and I just want to say a couple things in preparation for us to come to this table, because this table is really about renewal today. It's about you uh, stepping out of the stories and out of the songs and now physically uh, and spiritually participating with what we're talking about uh, and experiencing here today. And you know, it's funny uh, how a lot of times when we talk about leadership and the, uh, the gifts of leadership, but also the fruits of leadership, that we kind of lean in and say, that is awesome because there are great fruits to leadership. You know, when we're walking in strong leadership, it's not uncommon for us to experience success. It's not uncommon for us to experience prosperity or even prestige uh, or even power. And leadership can bring all these great things into our lives. And these are not bad things. And a lot of times we're celebrated for using gifts of leadership like we just celebrated Russ. I mean, we celebrated what's going on in his life. But I want to warn us because it's really easy for us to stop there when we think about leadership. You know, Scripture says that we're to be in the world but not of the world. That if I stop there, then I'm very cultural. I'm very much in tune with the culture that we live in because even outside the doors of the church and outside the world of our Christian worldview, people would say leadership is good for these things. It brings about change, but it also brings us success and prestige and power. It gives us, uh, you know, certain celebrations and accolades. Those are good things. But if we stop there, then we're no different than those that say we are not connected to Christ. That we've got to literally step out of this small story of leadership, and we got to step into the big story of leadership. And what I mean by that is we need to be incarnational leaders. We need to be people that experience the incarnational presence of God in our lives. It's not only working in us, but through us in our leadership. You know, it's a very common theme in Scripture because we see that Jesus was incarnational that he was God who became flesh, that God left heaven and came down and became a man and became incarnate. You know, this is uh, a quote from uh, Leonard Sweet's book, So Beautiful, that he wrote on the church, and he talks about this word, incarnation, and he says this, he says, the word incarnation is most familiar to us as a way of describing God's self-portrait in Jesus. God took a nosedive into raw human experience and spoke to us in a language we could all understand. The material language of a human life. The language of a person named Jesus of Nazareth. Because God chose to save the world by participating in its life, incarnation and atonement can never be separated. It's this beautiful picture of how God was not content just to experience and rescue us from a distance, but became man and came and dwelt among us. So because that's true, let's go to John chapter 3. Just for a quick look at uh, what this means that Jesus' incarnation now becomes something that we can participate in. John chapter 3, and we're going to go past that familiar passage, uh, John three sixteen, And uh, going down to verse uh, 19. John chapter 3, verse 19. 
This is the verdict. Light has come into the world. I'm talking about Christ here. But men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. And everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. So a bright light has come into the world, Christ himself, to expose that all of us are in desperate need of being rescued from ourselves. That's a painful thing to come to that realization. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light. So here's this picture of those of us that have come to the end of ourselves, understanding our need for being rescued, that we come into the truth of what Christ came to do, to give his life as a ransom for many. For what? So that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. That God, through the incarnation of Jesus Christ and through his redemptive work on the cross and resurrection, is now working in us in such a way that our lives now are expression of what God has done and what he's doing. That he's working not only in us, but now he's working through us. And the purpose of our leadership now, the role of leadership is to step into the big story that God is doing something here. God is doing something. And when we open our lives to that reality and work out of that paradigm and step out of the small story, now it's being revealed that what's being done through us is not just us, but it's God himself. It's incarnational. You know, when we listened to Russ, he talked about, you know, studying Russian and then uh, having a desire to go there, think about the coincidence of that, that he just happened to be studying that. And then he goes over uh, with a missions trip and he meets his wife and, uh, and begins to work with MDI and even now working to lead us as a community. It's funny, it's easy for us to look back. Uh, can you do this? Look back years from now and look back two or three years ago and see where the Lord was working? Can you do that? And can you look back a year ago and see where the Lord was working? To where his hand was moving and putting things together so that certain things would work in such a way that this would happen and then this would happen to get you where you are today? Can you see that? And is it possible that maybe you can see how last month God was working? And he was orchestrating things. Have you ever had this happen, that something happened in your life that was so horrific that you looked up to God and you shook your fist and you said, God, why could you let something like this happen in my life? But then two years later, you look back and you go, oh, now I see. Okay, that was awkward. But I'm sure there's a purpose to that. Y'all didn't see it in the back. Is it possible that that maybe two years ago when that thing happened, that now you can see, okay, now I see why that happened. There was something working in that that was for the good. That maybe growing in Christ is that that time begins to shrink. That I can see it from two years ago. I can see it from a year ago. I can see it from two months ago. I can see it from a week ago. Maybe I can begin to see it in the now. The doctor put me back in the sling last week because uh, I reseparated my uh, shoulder blade that I broke uh, while trying to learn how to fly in Uganda. And, uh, and honestly, I pray that you don't 
pray that I get better. Of course I want to get better, but I would ask that you would pray that I would begin to peer behind the curtain of the mystery of what God is doing in my life. Because I don't want to miss out on that. When he knocked me off that van, it was a profound moment that I thought, man, Lord, thank you for what you're teaching me in this moment. And I thought I'd learned everything I needed to learn through this broken collarbone. Guess what? God said, I'm not done with you yet. And as irritating and as painful as that is, I don't want to miss what he, the mystery of what he's working out in my life through this process. I want to try to shrink as much as I can the distance between, yes, Lord, thank you, Lord, I see, Lord. Does that make sense to you? And as leaders, we're to bring that into the right now. I mean, think about what the Lord may be doing in your life right now. If it is true that he's incarnationally working through us so that when we lead, the world sees that it's not us, but it's God working through us. Why does he have you working where you're working right now? Why does he have you unemployed right now? Why does he have you in the arts? Why does he have you celebrating maybe poetry or song or the work of painting or sculpting? Why does he have you as a student going to school? Or maybe at home with kids? Or maybe single? Where is the redemptive work in that? Why does he have you in the marriage that you're in? Or maybe in the neighborhood that you're living in? What is up with that? It was when I was in college, uh, I was dating this girl and we dated for a couple of years and we realized this isn't going to last and so we broke up, but she lived in another town. But what did live in her town was her grandmother. She was like 80 years old and she lived in a nursing home and she loved the theater. And after we broke up, I often saw her grandmother with her. And after uh, we broke up, I began to go visit her grandmother and started taking her to all the theatric productions of her college. And I thought nothing about it, you know, I mean, uh, she's a nice lady, it was a lot of fun. And uh, what I didn't realize is that at that time, there were some of my friends that were watching this and going, what are you doing? I said, it's no big deal, I'm just, you know. And when I graduated, I asked a couple of my friends if they would continue to go and spend time with this lady that I developed a relationship with. And what was birthed out of that were college students that began to take women from this nursing home to all the plays that the school was doing. Now, I didn't understand that that's what the Lord was doing. But I want to begin to understand that. I want to grow in understanding that incarnationally, Christ is working through me. It's not me. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. Because what is the light? Well, we studied in John 3.16 there that Jesus is the light. It's a theme all throughout the Bible where, you know, the star of Bethlehem, that the light of the world, and, you know, Paul was blinded on a, by a great light on the road to Damascus. But listen to Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. It says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Do you hear that? If we're in Christ, Christ is the light of the world, but it's Christ himself that's looking at you and saying, now you are the light of the world. 
that he is shining through us so much that he would call us a city on a hill or a light on a lampstand that would give light to everyone in the room. Think and imagine about that. That that, if you're in Christ this morning, that is true about you, whether you believe it or not. Matter of fact, Scripture says, it goes on to say, the only thing that you can do with your light is only one thing you can do with your light, and that's cover it up. The only effort you can put is in diminishing your light. Because you are the light, because Christ is in you. What does light do? It brings light. It's so profound, isn't it? Light, lights. I had a friend of mine who, uh, a number of years ago, he really felt the Lord was calling him to India and just had a passion for India. And he kept coming to my house and going, why can't I raise the money to go to India? And I'm like, I don't know, that's a problem. We gotta fix that problem. And so we tried to coerce people, you know, and get into people's face. You gotta support this guy, support. And he just could not raise the money. And then one day, he came to the realization that if Christ is in me, the hope of glory, then the Lord is in charge of this situation. That's so profound, isn't it? Well, it really, it's not. I mean, that's how we should live. God is working right now where I'm at, and he wants me to stay in Atlanta. And so that one perspective changed everything about the way he saw his situation. And here's what he asked after he said, okay, Lord, I'm going to receive that you got me right where you want me to be. And I want you to hear that personal because we're going to come to the table in just a second, and I want you to embrace that, that where you are right now is where the Lord has brought you. And will you hear what he has for you right where you're at, whether you're sick or whether you're healthy or whether you're single, whether you're married, whether you're divorced, whatever is going on in your life right now, the Lord is right there in the middle of where you're at. So my friend said, okay, obviously the Lord has not given me the money to move to India. So he said, where are there people from India in Atlanta? And guess what? There's a few of them. And he realized, he went to lunch that day, and he was standing in Wendy's, and he was ordering, and he looked, and everybody that was working in Wendy's was from India. And that's when he got the bright idea, and he applied for a job at Wendy's. And he became the best fry cook that that Wendy's had ever become. And I mean, he worked his tail off. Because God opened his eyes that he could be a light right where he was out of the passions that God had given him before he even went to India. And he began to be there and work with them and get educated about this culture and this community and be a light among the new friends that he had found right there at Wendy's. And eventually God opened that door and he was prepared to go. See, he understood something. In Philippians 2.14, it makes this statement. And don't miss this, because this is significant. You shine like stars in the universe, those of us in Christ, as we hold out the word of light. St. Augustine put it this way. You are the body of Christ. That is to say, in you and through you, the work of the incarnation must go forward. You are meant to incarnate in your lives the themes of your adoration, You're to be taken, consecrated, broken, and distributed that that you may be the means of grace and vehicle of eternity, of eternal charity. Remarkable, isn't it? God wants to work through us. He wants to do that, and he is doing that just as we witnessed in Russ today.
not for the small story of just our glory, but for the big story of what the Lord is doing in the world that we live in. But it's hard, isn't it? I mean, it really is hard. We get discouraged. We easily forget. We start complaining. We begin to grumble. And we start to have very small views of things like sex. We have a very small view of sex, and we don't have the big view of what God intended it for. We do the same thing with money. You know, we start to hoard it, and we really start to believe that really money is about nothing more than just me making it and getting the things that I want. And we don't have a big view of those things. We start having a very small view of relationships, and we begin to wonder whether or not our relationships are giving us what we want. And we don't have a bigger view of what God may be doing in those things as we are the light that he is shining through us, or even about our own free time, or even about whether or not we take a kid home with us. And that's why we come to this table. Because if you're like me, it's so easy for us to forget what the Lord has done for us. And it's so easy for us to forget that the Lord is working in us. And it's so easy for us to forget that the Lord is also wanting to work through us. It's interesting, uh, Leonard Sweet goes on to talk about in his book that, that we as believers must be about the continual work of evangelizing ourselves. Continually bring our minds back to the same thinking that we are not our own anymore, that we have been redeemed, we've been rescued from the kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of light. And now that we are into the kingdom of light, we are those that shine. Right? Really? Have you forgotten? Imagine this many people in this room leaving this building and remembering and believing we didn't go to church today we were reminded that we are the church that the supernatural light of heaven through Jesus Christ shines in us and through us Paul even said it this way he said I boast in my weakness as Russ was talking about I boast in my weakness because in my weakness therefore I will know his strength because if God is leading you guess where he's going to lead you He's going to lead you into deep waters that you're in so far over your head that your own strength, they're not going to be able to have the capacity to handle what God has called you to do. That's the kind of stuff that the Lord does because we rely on his strength so that he gets the glory and he gets to reveal himself not just to us but to the world that we live in. So we remember. So let's remember. And let me ask you this question, okay? as you get ready to come to this table. Has the Lord got you where you're at? Right where you're at right now. Would you dare to ask the Lord to open your eyes and see all the pieces that have come in place to bring you right right where you're at so that you're ready to receive what he has for you this morning? Are you ready to put down your grumbling and your complaining and your constant fighting to try to change your situation and just rest in the fact that God's meeting you in your situation right now, right this morning? Would you dare to remember that we weren't made to live in the small story? We are made to live in the big story of what God is doing in his redemptive work in the world that we live in. All right, let's pray. Lord, I thank you that 
Lord, you are beautiful in your redemptive work. That you've come and you've rescued us, Father, from ourselves and from the sins that so easily entangle us and have called us sons and daughters. But Lord, we often live in a very small view of our lives. A small view of the places that you've called us to and even we find sometimes, even where we're at right now, even the place that we're in today, we grumble and we complain and we even can curse it. And it just closes our eyes to see why you've got us there and what you're doing. Lord, forgive us because so often we belittle our gifts. We use them for our own gain. We have a hard time understanding they're from you and how to use them for your kingdom. We live in the small story of the places that you have us in. We've forgotten the light of Christ that's in us. As a result, we often hide it from others. We even often hide it from ourselves. And so I pray this morning, Lord, that you would open our eyes and help us to remember what you've done for us through this table. Renew our hearts and restore us back to sane thinking, Lord. And lead us, Lord, that we may be leaders in this community, in our homes, in our relationships, and even in our own hearts. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.